0: We want to thank you for tuning in to the Indian-run Christian Church podcast with Pastor Terry Bailey. This podcast can be found on iTunes by searching for Terry Bailey Ministries. Right now, let's get to Pastor Terry's insightful message.
1: Having finished with the things I wanted to say about the life and ministry of the prophet Elisha, I start today walking the road to our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to be sure and tell you that that's what I'm doing, because if I didn't tell you, you might not guess. So bear with me as we move through these weeks. If you don't catch it right off, I am headed to the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to start with a technical matter. I want to talk to you for just a moment about the order of the books in your New Testament. They are in order by both category and chronology, which is to say that you take the first thing, is the four Gospels, those are the Gospels, and they are in order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because when the order was put together, The presumption was that Matthew was the first one written, Mark, second, Luke, third, and John, last, later in time. I think there were good reasons for choosing that order. Mostly it had to do with looking at the target audience. Matthew was concerned with those early Jewish Christians, and Mark and Luke moved into the Roman world, and John, moved out into what you and I would call the barbarians. And as time passed and the gospel expanded, the message went from this people to this people to this people to this people. And so the gospels are in order by when they were written. After the Gospels, you have the histories of which there is one, the book of Acts. So the book of Acts is both the earliest and the latest history in the New Testament. It is a category unto itself. It begins and ends with Acts. Then you move to the letters. And the letters written by the Apostle Paul come first because he was the first one to start writing letters. And his earliest letters are earlier than any other letters that anyone else wrote and they are primarily, in chronological order, Romans being the first letter that he wrote, and Philemon generally thought to be the last. You work your way through the difference. The book of Hebrews is kind of a standalone because nobody knows for sure who wrote it. And nobody has much of a good idea when they wrote it, so it's there. The letters of Paul... And then the book of Hebrews. And then the one letter that we have from James, which was written later than the first letters that Paul wrote. So we go from Paul to James. And then the letters written by Peter, which were written later than the letter written by James. So we go from Paul to James to Peter, passing through time. And then the three letters written by John and the one little letter written by Jude at the end of the letters because they were written after all the others the book of revelation again stands alone it is the only apocalypse so that category begins and ends with revelation actually the letters to John and Jude were written after the book of revelation but they are separated into a different category. Now, my reason for telling you that is to be able to say this. More time had passed by the time John wrote his letters. And if you know anything at all about human beings, you will probably instantly agree with me. As more time passed, we created new problems for ourselves. We always do. You start with the simple and profound gospel of Jesus Christ, but we are not content to leave it in its profound simplicity. We have to invent stuff and and bend stuff and create new theories and try to make Jesus fit into our preconceptions, and into our societal norms. And so the profound and simple message of the gospel gets messed up as it passes through time. And John wrote his letters to address this problem. That there were so many people now who believed things that were different than Jesus actually Said. And they had to be taught that original, simple truth. Because this is the reason for the existence of the letters of John, John concentrates on what I have come to call five non negotiables, five things that each of us must believe if we are to be called Christians. Five things that each of us must know if we are to understand at all the gospel of Jesus Christ. Five areas in which we must walk if it is to be said that we walk with God. Having said that, you might imagine that these five non negotiables are fairly important. There are other things that we can disagree about, and there are lots of those. But these five are not up for debate, discussion, or revision. You may not have caught it just this way, but I had Jeff read passages from 1 John that talked about three of the non-negotiables I will throw in the other two but those three are the main ones I want to concentrate on the first two non-negotiables have to do with us and the last three of the five have to do with Jesus here's the ones about us non-negotiable number one we must all agree on this or we are outside the purposes of God we are all Sinners. John says that the man who says that he has no sin is calling God a liar. We didn't read that one out loud, but trust me, it won't take you ten minutes to read the first letter of John. You will find it. And you are calling God a liar about the basis of all the most important promises that He makes and all the most important changes that He wants to bring into your life because everything that God says and does is based on this assumption Bill Costello was a sinner and Mark Oberly. and Janelle Thorne Lonnie Vicky. Gary and Connie and Carl and Stacy and George and Deb and Jill and Philip and Terry. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This we must agree on if we are to walk within the purposes of God and the man who says that he has no sin or the woman either calls God a liar. Second thing that we must acknowledge as true about ourselves, if Jesus is working in us and we are being changed From sinners to something else, there must be this evidence. We must love one another. We must actively be seeking good for one another. And John says, God is love. And everyone who knows God loves. And the person who does not love does not even know God. Much less begin to walk in His purposes. If there is any true sense in which Jesus is doing something to our lives and addressing our problem of being universally sinners, This must emerge that we love one another. For they will know, this is outside of 1 John, but still true, they will know that we are Christians by our love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. So these two things about ourselves, we are all sinners. And if we are changing from that position at all, love must be evident. I didn't have Jeff read those two because the three of the non-negotiables I want to concentrate on are all about Jesus. So let me move to those now. The first one, Jeff read this for you, is that Jesus is God's Son sent from God into this world. Now, there's an implication there, and it's right there on the surface. You don't have to get between the lines to catch this. If God sent Jesus into this world, then He was somewhere else first, right? You with me, Mark? Smiles. You with me, Mark? If I say, Mark, I want you to go from here to the kitchen and get me a diet, and I'm not asking. But if, but if I did, it would be to get me a Diet Coke. And you know that. If I, I can't send you to the kitchen unless you're not already in the kitchen. Right? Jesus is God's Son sent from God, sent by God into this world. And that whole thing Is based on what John says, not in this letter, but in the first chapter of the gospel, according to John, same John. He said, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And through Him, the Word. All things were created that are created, and without Him nothing has been created that is created, because the Word that is Jesus Christ, God's Son, was always with Him. Before we came into being, He was already there, eternally God's Son he was sent into this world. That's the first. Non-negotiable. Second, and Jeff read this one, Jesus is the Christ. We're so used to saying Jesus Christ as though it were his last name. Jesus is his name. The Christ is the office that he holds. My name is Terry. The office that I hold is the minister for the congregation of Indian Run Christian Church. His name is Jesus. And there's a lot there that I have to ignore or I will never get through this to move on to this. His office is the Christ the Messiah the anointed appointed one the one who fulfills the promises what promises? all of them but I'll come to that in, in more detail in just a moment Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the fulfillment of every promise God has made, the final form of every prophecy God has issued. He is the Son of God, always was, eternally existent. He is the Christ, the one who fulfills the promises. Third, and Jeff read this, Jesus came in the flesh. Only someone motivated by a spirit that can only be called Antichrist against Christ would deny, John says, that Jesus came in the flesh. And only by the spirit of Christ can we grasp and proclaim this truth that Jesus came in In the flesh. He was not an illusion. He was not a ghost. He was not a projection. He was not like Pinocchio, a construct. He was not like Frankenstein's monster, an unholy synthesis. He was a flesh and blood human being. He came as a man among men. All of this is to say Jesus always existed as the Son of God, a completely spiritual being. I will interject here that we are hybrids. Our bodies are formed from the dust of the earth. But the Spirit, the breath of life, has been breathed into us. And so we are physical and spiritual at the same time. Jesus always existed as the Son of God, a spiritual being. And in order to fulfill the promises, and here I will pause again as I promised that I would, and say what promises? All the promises. Everything prior to Christ is a reflection of His coming. Moses, was the deliverer for the Hebrews in the book of Exodus. But who is our deliverer? Joshua led them on the path through the wilderness. But who is our path through the wilderness of this world? It is Jesus. They were headed for the promised land, but who takes us to the really true promised land? The commandments... Promised a standard for righteousness, but who is our only standard for righteousness? There was promised to the people of God a Sabbath rest, but that book of Hebrews of unknown authorship says that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Who is our peace? You know, you can say it out loud. Who is our peace? Who is our truth? Who is our life? Who is our hope? Who is our deliverance and our salvation? All the promises. Jesus always existed as God's Son, a spiritual being, and in order to fulfill the promises to become the Messiah of the Christ, He came here in the flesh. This is an amazing statement. And I'm going to tell you that we will never understand the wonder of Easter until we have understood the wonder of Christmas. To take it outside the context of our holiday celebrations, get rid of the tinsel and the eggs for just a moment. You will never understand the wonder of the resurrection until you have understood the wonder of the Incarnation. will never mean to you what it must mean to you to know that Jesus rose from the dead until you understand that Jesus came in the flesh the eternally existent Son of God came here and ceased to be what he had always been a purely spiritual being and took on flesh, becoming a hybrid, physical and spiritual, like us, the creator became like the created. The infinite son of God, whose being had always spanned the entire boundaries of what we would call the universe and gone beyond that, took on a body that suddenly ended at his fingertips. The immutable, changeless Son of God made himself subject to change. In the womb, to the manger, a toddler with skinned knees, a little boy with too much energy, a man who had to work with his hands to help put bread on the table. The one who owned the cattle on a thousand hills and owned the thousand hills too had a day job! I don't know that I can really make us understand God became like me, like you. Between now and Resurrection Sunday, I will strive to give some of the reasons for this strange and profound thing that God did. Because the reasons are enumerated in Scripture and actually they're a little easier to understand than the wonder of the thing itself. So I will try to give those reasons. But for today, let us feed ourselves on the simple wonder that the eternally existent Son of God became the Christ by entering our world. He who knew no time came down to take a certain number of breaths every minute and had a heart that pulsed by the seconds. He came in the flesh if God would accomplish this wonder for us, if He would do this unimaginable but profound thing for us, how great must His power be? And how much greater His love. And if He would do this for our good, what would He leave undone for our good? If He would go to this length to save you To bring you home to Him. Can you not trust Him? Can you not put your hope in Him? If you haven't, let the wonder of the Incarnation be the thing that pushes you over the edge today. I know that the baptistry should be, I'll, I'll cease what I know because this is once or twice not worked out in my experience, but it should be nice and warm. Just filled it this morning. And there are dry towels and if you need to claim what God has done in sending His Son, Jesus Christ, in the flesh, let this be your opportunity.
0: We want to take a moment to thank all of you, our faithful listeners, for setting aside time each week for the Indian Run Christian Church podcast. You can find out more about the church by visiting our website at www.christforeastcanton.com. That's www.christforeastcanton, all one word, .com. On behalf of Pastor Terry and all the folks at Indian Run Christian Church, I pray God's blessing on you and your family.